0: welcome back to shadow light thank you for joining us as we navigate the big issues on your feed moving from apathy and overwhelm to collective action and hopeful pathways forward i'm zoe
1: and i'm larissa and i'm so excited in this episode we have an amazing guest who we will allow to introduce herself but we'll be exploring themes uh, continuing on this pathway this series about Home, but this time, thinking specifically about how do we create spaces of home away from home, and can a club night help us build home away from home? I think it can, uh, but we are gonna find out in a bit so Leticia, do you wanna introduce yourself uh for
2: folks listening. wow, it's so hard to introduce myself, <laughs> but I'm gonna try <laughs> well, thank you for um having me here, Larissa and Zoe. It's my pleasure. My name is Leticia Sanchez. Leticia Sanchez-Garris, because my mom's last name is very important too. I was born in Dominican Republic, but I live in Buenos Aires in 2010, and I'm the founder and creative director of Opera Hunting. I call it like a creative studio where I just allow myself to do all the things that I like, and I really like building communities, so that's my main focus. I live in Buenos Aires, and... As you might hear before, in Buenos Aires, the black population of the people of color population is not very strong or at least not very visualized. It's not very present, you know. So my project, Afro Hunting, is about that. It's about, okay, we're still here because we've always been. And um, yeah, like, let's meet, let's get together. What are you doing? What can we reach out to each other? And basically, that's what I do. I try to always go back to history, because I think that's how we can actually build the future, like the Sankofa culture itself. Yeah, and that's pretty much what I do.
1: (laughs) I love how you say it's so casual, but the work you're doing is absolutely incredible, at building community, truly. You know, you've got a mixture of Afro-Argentines, you've got folks who have come to Argentina, who have migrated there, who are spending a short while there, who just see this as this beacon for incredible community so thank you for the work that you're doing first of all but before we get into it properly how are you doing how are you?
2: I'm great actually it's summer here in Buenos Aires lazy Sundays I love these kind of days where I just like I'm chilling I'm pretty tired because I'm doing a lot of things right now since it's summer like everybody wants to do things going out taking advantage of the day yesterday I opened up our studio for the first time so people were here to buy my I have my merch always listening some music I'm also a DJ I'm gonna you know I'm gonna be like because that's that's what I do and that's what Afro hunting does all the time so um I'm pretty good I'm very excited to talk to you I already said this to you my English is not great so you who's everybody who's listening right now please have some patience with me I'm gonna have some words in Spanglish since it's the language of the future (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, um, I already said that my voice has gone quite appropriately for this episode, I think, from karaoke. So, to the listeners as well, have some patience with me as well, please. Leticia, yeah, Larissa told me a little bit about where the name Afro Hunting came from, and it sounds like it's quite a cool story. So I was wondering if you could could tell the listeners where that actual name came from,
2: of course. Well, um, like I said, I was born in Dominican Republic. And back there, I used to work as a fashion stylist, cool hunter. Like I always like, I'm a Gemini rising, so I love like learning about everything. And cool hunting was like a subject in my uh, in my college. And cool hunting is about, you know, finding trends, like more soci- sociology and all of that. And when I was here in Buenos Aires, um, well, I have to go back to history here a little bit. In 2010, when I got here, it was pretty hard to find people who kind of look like me, you know, so I could spend weeks, sometimes even months. Um, and it was hard, you know, because I needed to first talk to somebody and um, then do my hair, eat my food, a lot of things. So in 2017, I started like to see people like all around me, people who were living here. And I was like, OK, I need to find that people. I need to do that research. So basically, Afro hunting is like a cool hunting, but for the Afro culture. And when I say Afro, it's afro Afro Argentinian, Afro-Dominican, Afro-United States, Afro-England, African as well. So everything related to Africa and its diaspora, it's what I do.
1: Uh, Amazing. I absolutely love that story because it's also just testament to your creativity um, and how you bring that into the space. And that's why I think it's so special that, like, it's a club night. And oftentimes, you know, that kind of vibe that you bring to the Afro hunting events that happen, like, how do you curate club spaces or social spaces that create that sense of home away from home for people? Can you tell us a bit about
2: why it's important to hold spaces like that? Yeah, actually, Afro uh, hunting, like I said, it was like, it was a personal project. It was my blog. You know, I needed to talk to someone. I needed to get my hair done. So it was my personal project. It was just my blog where I, I don't know, I was walking on the street. And for example, I saw you, Larissa, and I was like, hi, Larissa, where are you from? What are you doing here? Let's meet, you know? And time after time, it was like, okay, now I have like six friends, 10 friends, 10 friends. One day I decided, OK, I want to do like an event because my friend, I don't know, like this is just an example, but it's real. My friend, um, she's from the United States. She just got two kids with an with an Argentinian, right? So she had two Afro-Argentinian girls, the new generation. She doesn't know how to do her braid. They're twins. So she's super busy. And I have a Colombian friend who does my hair. So I needed to link them, you know? Because I've been having so amazing conversations with my friends with two kids and so other amazing conversation with um, my other friend who braids my hair. And I was like, okay, also, Gemini, I need (laughs) to connect and build those bridges, you know, because that was my personal project and that's what I needed. But I knew that a lot of people were needing that especially me as a a migrant but also like when I get to know the Afro-Argentinians itself that is like another world and also that was like key for me to start my project I was like okay they are from Argentina but I was born in Dominican Republic and we had the same childhood Mm. right so it was like a mind-blowing for me it's like we need to actually connect to each other. And that's how I understand like the diaspora is so strong because what it feels a home for maybe an afro uruguayan was also like what I felt home for me. So it was, it was, it still is like the main focus of, of Afro-Hunting.
1: That's just so beautiful how across the diaspora you build that connection and allow people to see that as well. You know, I remember being at Afro-Hunting stuff and being Afro-German folks who... It's funny because we're both coming from the same side of the world, but meeting at your event in Buenos Aires. So no, it's incredible. But tell me also a bit more about the the journey of, I guess, discovering that for yourself. Because I know that part of you building this space, it's becoming like a black institution in in uh, Buenos Aires. I would say, but you know, how has that also been informed by Africa? Because you mentioned specifically there that you know, there's also Africans who are coming. Um, to this as well as like Afro-Latinas and like um, anyone else so I know that that's part of your story so can you tell us a bit about that?
2: Yeah I mean again when I when I started to see more people here that was in 2017 when I was I don't know like in a bus or a bank in places where I knew they were living here I started to meet people from all over the world a lot of Brazilians of course, Colombians. Uruguayans, the Afro community in Uruguay, even though it's a very small country, it's very big. is even more present than the than the one here in Argentina. But one day, one person said to me, "No, my friend Sista. Now she's my she's my partner um, for, with Colors. That's my other project. Um, that's the events that you were saying." Um, she said, "No, I'm from Argentina," and I was like, oh, "I did what I don't like them." I don't like them to do that to me, you know? I was like, okay, but where is your family from, (laughs) you know? And she was like, yeah, my mom and my dad, they're from Argentina. Okay, what about your grandparents from Argentina? And that was the moment I was like, okay, I've been here seven years and I never heard of something like this. But with that, I mean, it was like an explosion. But then I met a lot of people from Senegal, from Cameroon, also very privileged because in 2020 i was able to go to africa i was in nigeria for four months where i did like a lot of research and it was also like a personal thing but yeah like with that with for me with that trip being there and also understanding the african culture and understanding also the differences right because we are from the diaspora i am dominican right i'm not nigerian i'm not african but definitely I have the African roots in me. I can see it. I mean, if I look myself in the mirror, I can see it, but I can see also the way I think, the way I talk, the weight of my taste, you know? So for me, those connections between Africa and the diaspora are very powerful.
0: That's amazing. And I guess I'm really interested in, like, why you were drawn to being, like, okay, like, nightlife. Like, let's get everyone together. Let's listen to some music. Like, what is it about, like, the club that... Is so like exciting and enticing for the work that you you were kind of doing in building community.
2: Well, again, I have to come back to kind of history because mm. when I started the project, I was like, okay, there's a big community here, and they're also doing things in Argentina. There is a lot of um, communities and collectives that are doing a lot of things with um, anti-racism, like learning, teaching, and stuff. And I was like so into that. I'm still am, and I was so yeah, also privileged to get to know a lot of things and a lot of people with a lot of knowledge, you know? So when I was in those events, I was like super happy, but I was kind of mad at the same time because I was realizing all the racism that all the people were living here, you know? So I was always like, oh, oh, I'm kind of like drawing, you know, because it was, it, it is hard. It still is hard to exist anywhere we go, actually, um, especially in Buenos Aires, where the white population it's even bigger. But the thing is, like, I was like, okay, I need it, I need something else. I need to celebrate all the things that are happening. I know there's a lot of bad things going on, but there's also a lot of good things going on. Like we here and we are beautiful. We are creative. We are a lot of amazing things. Well, so we need to build something to connect, but not to fight, just to celebrate ourselves because we have to fight every day. So um, that's what actually, like, my events started to happen because I was decided, like, we need to get to know each other, each other but we need to celebrate ourselves. We need to honor our roots like that in a positive and good way. So music has always been a great passion for me. So, of course, music had to be involved. And actually, it wasn't, like, actually, like, planned. It was something that is still developing Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) so yeah that that's colors that is the festival but I also do other events like yesterday I did just like a pop-up here Um, sometimes I have another type of events but colors is like a big festival the last one we had like 400 people I was like okay how is this happening like I don't understand but yeah, like we are beautiful, like I said. So we should honor that and celebrate that. In, in and when I say beautiful, it's not only the way we look, because I know we look good, right? <laughs> it's not only about that. It's like we are actually beautiful, we are creative, we're powerful. There's so much that we can um share and celebrate. So that was like the that is also the main focus of all my events.
1: And I love how you harness that joy. And also use that to, I don't know, just as an empowering mechanism. Because for people who haven't been to Colours, like, you walk into the space and there's literally, can you please describe the visuals? Because people need to know, like, it's just so, it's so incredible. And I've never been in a club space like that. So please um, explain a bit more about the visuals for the festival, because
2: people got to hear it. Again, it is developing. The visuals were like a coincidence, because I was at the place, And they said to me, okay, we have a projector here. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should just let me do like a, I'm also an artist. Like I said, I do a lot of things. So I have videos in my phone for every trip that I go, every, I don't know, object that I see, anything. I just have, my phone is completely full because I'm always like filming or taking photos. So I was like, okay, let me just like make a video, like a five, 10, 10 video of my phone with all the visuals that I have like from my trips to Nigeria my trips in the yard here colors like I don't know textures things that I like and that I know that are like part of the essence of Afro hunting so I did just like a collage I put the logo in the middle and when I got to the place I thought it was like a I don't know like a small part of the place but no it was like the whole wall so it was like very evident because when you showed up like what Larissa said when you showed up the place you had like a big wall with all my videos and there's a lot of information because yeah I have videos in Nigeria videos here I also used to travel a lot in Argentina so I have videos with Afro Cordobi. how do you say that Afro diasporic people from Cordova? Afro Cordobo oh i don't know but yeah yeah so um afro paraguayans brazil anyway brazil any video that you do there it's gonna be beautiful (laughs) so yeah and it was like uh now it's still like people are asking for the videos but it's just like videos that i have on my phone walking on the street basically it's amazing
1: because it feels so
2: intentional and i think that's just
1: who you are as an artist because it's like you're everything that you've done coming together and you're just immersed in this, I don't know, these visuals of black people with different hairstyles and different energies and different. Yeah. It's just, it's so cool. And it's just, I can't even describe it, but it is so, so incredible, but kind of moving back into the history. Cause I know you've said quite a few times that you've been speaking, we've got to go into the history to understand how it's all come together can you tell us a bit more about the the work you do with the kind of tours and the travel company that's starting to or has been rather just uncovering those Afro histories within Buenos Aires, within Argentina and how that all connects together for you um, as an artist, as someone active in challenging these, these issues?
2: Well, um, that happened when I was in Nigeria, I was like online on Instagram and I saw my friend, her name is Julia Cohen. She's also an artist. She was like working on this tour company. The name is Lumfarda, And I will say something about the name because also language is very important for us here. So um, the name was Lumfarda. She was doing like an Afro heritage tour here in Buenos Aires. And I was like, I need to go back to Buenos Aires. I mean, I had to come back anyway. But I was like, I need to talk to Julia about this. This should be in Hunt Like, people should know about this. Also, I used to work in tourism. So for me, it was like, oh, I need to be part of this too. And yeah, when I got here, I did the tour. It was basically a tour in San Telmo. That's like the Black um, neighborhood here in Buenos Aires. And it was about history and culture in Buenos Aires since a long, long time ago when the first Africans were enslaved, exactly where the first Africans were enslaved and were brought here to Buenos Aires. And I was like, okay, this is extremely important because with that tour, we we start there, For of course, when they got to these lands. And also, of course, the indigenous people is going to be connected because they were here even before them. Right, so we talk about that, but then we put it like in the contemporary context, like how is the black people here in Buenos Aires now? How is the black society here in Buenos Aires now? How racism works in Buenos Aires now? And that's when the language comes to the conversation, right? Lunfarda is actually the female name because we're feminists of Lunfardo. And Lunfardo. It's like a language that it was developed here in Buenos Aires. This is not for Argentina. This is especially for Buenos Aires, because you might heard before that in Buenos Aires we had a big immigration. You heard you definitely heard that because they're very proud of those roots, right? The Italian roots, um, Spanish roots, French roots, even German roots, sometimes Nazi roots, but okay. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, when they got here, they found, because Black people were already here, right, since the 1500s, they found these um, Black people here and they had to find a way how to communicate with each other, right? So that's actually what Lufardo is, like a slang um, from the people from Buenos Aires with Italian roots, right, but also African roots like quilombo like but quilombo that's a special word that it has like its own context but mandinga there's a lot of african words that are used here in buenos aires but in many other places like mondongo that's that's like a food like a soup for us yeah and the tour um in buenos aires what we're doing now is still we're still doing that is like telling the story that the government (laughs) they don't want to say right they don't want to work with that type of things. Like I said, they are very proud of their Italian roots or European roots, but they forget about that part, even though like here, but in many other places, we build this country, right? So that's basically what the tour is about, like sharing all the that part of the history that has been, I mean, I don't wanna say completely forgotten because they wanted to destroy us, they couldn't. So then they wanted to erase us. And they can't do that either because we're here and we're working for that.
0: That that work that you're doing in kind of ensuring the legacy of Black history in in Buenos Aires is like still everybody knows about it and everyone can have access into that information is really amazing. How do you feel like... that that archival work informs you as an artist and a community builder as well, because it feels like you just do, as you said before, you do so much stuff. How does does it all fit together for you? Or is it, as you kind of say, you're an artist and it's always kind of evolving?
2: Right. um, That's where the Sankofa comes again, right? Sankofa is this concept for the African tribe that is called Akan. It's like in now what it is, Cote d'Ivoire, Cameroon, some part of Ghana also in Sankofa. This con- the concept is going back to the past, right? Take what you have to build a better future. So that's what I do with the tours, but also with the project, with my project as Alpha Hunting, but also um, with me as an artist. I always, always try to go back to my inner child, to the little Letícia who needed this type of information because that kid suffered a lot. <laughs> So I don't want that for the next generations, you know. So history, I mean, you can not go where you're going if you don't know where you're coming from. So So, we always need to go back to history. It's going to be sometimes very painful for us, but it's important. We need to heal those things. We need to, we need to, first, we need to know our history and we need to embrace it and actually heal to build a better future. So history is always going to come up in every project that I do, for sure.
0: I love that. And before this episode, I was doing a little bit of research around kind of like other people who um have kind of like interesting or exciting club nights like the Diaspora and it was talking about how the club can kind of act as a place to perform a more progressive future that we can't have on the outside yet. And I was really feeling like when you were talking about all of this work coming together, it's like, wow, it's like learning from these histories to try and perform and bring together people in a way that might not be allowed in other spaces. I think that's just like so amazing. But Larissa, I know you had other questions. What were you, what were you going to say?
1: No, but that even makes me think otherwise, because I think, Leticia, you're someone who's always looking to like the next project, the next, like, how do you keep building So do you find that space, is it kind of like incubation space for you of like harnessing ideas and like, I don't know, in the creative space of colours or of the studio or whatever it is you're doing, do you feel like being in community with people in that way, does that help you move
2: towards what's next and like where things keep going? Definitely, definitely. I mean, this was a personal project But it's a collective project right now, and I wanted to be like that. I I wanted to even grow more. Yesterday, for example, for me, it's also very important to work with kids because they are the ones who are going to build the future. We are kind of shaping them, but they are the responsibles for our future. So for me, I'm the responsible now to actually... Um, do the work with them so yesterday we had two kids here and i was like sitting with them talking to them like what do you need what do you want what do you like so of course community it is important and to to grow the community because when i have those parties of course i don't have kids (laughs) you know but the next colors is going to be like earlier and it's going to be like in an open space and i want it to be like a big festivals where kids can come because it is very important like I said, I always go back to my inner child, but I think these kids, the kids that are now are going to build that future. So definitely it's important for me for my creative process as well, because, you know, kids, they just tell you what they think and it's like no filter. So I love it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's so cool that there's going to be a space for like kids to come along to the next one. You're really making me want to come back to Buenos Aires, you know.
0: <laughs> How long have you, did you say you've been in Buenos Aires?
2: Well, it's gonna be fourteen years. So, Argentina, ahora. No, I mean I love it. <laughs> this is my country. I mean, when I, I now I'm able to travel more because I have a remote job. Because I mean, after hunting is my baby, I love it, but I still need to pay my rent. I still need to buy my food, you know. So I have my job, and it's a remote job, so I can travel more. Last summer, I spent the whole summer, three months, back in DR. I needed that, but when I was there, I was missing Buenos Aires so much. You know, even though I'm actually I am Argentinian because I am a citizenship now, have the citizenship, but I'm I'm very Dominican and I'm so proud of being Dominican. I'm so proud of being a Dominican girl in Buenos Aires, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've got to bring the Caribbean vibes
1: to say Aires, for sure. Anywhere you go. Anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere. <laughs> for true. No, but I, I guess also, like, I've just been watching the news as it comes out of Argentina, obviously in a kind of post-election context with, like, Malay and everything that's going on. How do you feel like the situation is, particularly maybe for, for migrants who are just coming to Argentina or who have recently come to Argentina? Do you feel like there's been a shift in the kind of political environment for people specifically like Afro descendant people in Buenos Aires.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been here, like I said, 14 years and I've seen a lot of versions of Argentina. This is a country that it changed so much money wise, weather wise, mood wise. You know, um, but now with this president, yeah, like the energy you can sense. People are scared. People are afraid of what's going to happen. You know, we have a big uncertainty about things. And yeah, I mean, we, we had previous presidents before who always talk about we don't even exist here, right? Um, Two presidents before Macri and even Alberto Fernandez were like in total denial of black population in Argentina, especially Afro Argentinians, because of course I'm a migrant and I know, I mean, I wasn't born here, but I do know there is a big community of Afro Argentinians that are from this country. So it's always been like this, but. This one, the president that is right now, Javier Millet, I think it's it's even harder because it's, it's the culture itself that is like in, in, in a problem, like in a uncertainty, and we don't know what's going to happen. Of course, the Afro heritage and about the Afro itself is going to be even more, but the culture, the arts, everything that is like good for me and good for people and part of my healing process it's like I don't know the word. I have. I want to say like a specific word, but I don't remember now. But <laughs> muy, muy desafiado. It's like, it's going to be more like a challenge to even mm. be here porque su pensamiento y su postura, además de que es denegarnos, de que we don't exist, he also wants to destroy us because, like other presidents before, like Sarviento, we know that he wants to whiten the society, right? And Again, this is not new in Buenos Aires. This is not new in Argentina. It's happening right now. But with history, we have been seeing this kind of icons in the country right now. And the problem with Buenos Aires, with Argentina itself, it's like the culture. I don't know why. It's like you can create like a big, I don't know if this is a word in English, like a big fanatism, like you can You can eso crear mucho fanatismo like when you want two people to be your fan without a crit- critical thinking mm-hmm. but yeah this is this is what it's happening in Buenos Aires like there's a lot of people who love Millet, who can have a tattoo with his face even tattoos more with scared. his face
1: sorry roll roll that
2: back. yeah yeah what? this is Buenos Aires we know you know we love tattoos first <laughs> that is true. Um, and second like yeah that's that's the problem with when you don't put when you don't put much effort in education because mm. that's what you build you build these people with no critical thinking who just go okay let's go that way this is what's good this is what's what's gonna be be uh, make us a better country But actually, have you thought about it? Have you thought what what actually is gonna mean for the real people, not for Mm the one person that is up there, you know? So that's the thing um, with Buenos Aires right now, with Argentina itself right now. Now the culture and the arts are like in a big, this is the word again, this is another word. Like not, not a challenge, but like in a big, when we are about to fall, like it's it's very complicated right now, and we are very scared about what's going to happen because it's already really really um, complex ex- to exist here. Oh, I'm sad to hear that it's getting even more
1: complex um, in this context. Because it, honestly, I, you know, I keep saying to people like I'm glad that I went at the time that I did rather than now. Um, but of course, for people who live in in Argentina, it's, a, it's an entirely different story. And I just hope that that things ease. Yeah, I hope that like the the community that you're building helps become a form of kind of like joyful resistance to to that.
0: Yeah, it definitely sounds like in these times, the work that you're doing, bringing joy and bringing people together and educating people, is more important than ever mm, before. Yeah. So, strength to all of you guys.
2: Yeah, we we need that. We had our sorry, our last callers was like I don't know four days after he got to actually be president and the energy was like we need this space right now and um that's what we call it like a festival because it's not that you go and you play some music no we have my my partner sista V, she's the afro-argentinian girl that i was telling you about an amazing artist and dj she's also the host so we talk about those things because okay we're having fun but we are aware of what's happening here and we have to be together we have to build this community more than more than ever because yeah tough tough moments are about to come there are already here so yeah
0: i'm just reflecting you've got so much wisdom because i feel like right now across the world lots of people are feeling really alone or really depressed at the state of the world really angry at like other people who can't see the, the injustices that they're seeing thinking specifically of going on in Israel and Palestine if you're not surrounded by people who also think that genocide is a grave injustice it can be really tiring and angry. And it's like we have to remind ourselves that like being together and coming together in spaces to also love each other and be joyful together is so important to keep the movement alive. Mm -hmm. It's important to be angry and it's always important to be like on the streets and doing that stuff. But we also have to be coming together in spaces of like love and care. Otherwise it everything burns out. Like we as you say, like we need these spaces. So I think it's just so wise for everyone to remember that like, you know, looking after yourself and other people in a joyful way is part of the work. (laughs)
2: Definitely. I mean, now that you mentioned what is happening in Palestine, it's like, okay, we're celebrating, but we are aware and we know what is happening there, what is happening also in Sudan, what is also happening in Congo, what is also happening in Haiti, you know? Now we're having the main focus there on Palestine, but there's a lot of African countries that have been in that situation for many years. It's not to take like a low attention to what's happening in palestine because war is war everywhere but yeah we haven't we are living in a very very uh, problematic chaotic times in our life you know so we need we need these conversations
1: also definitely and i think that level of awareness that people have started to get around palestine has led to more discussion of those those other contexts that you mentioned as well so it's it's actually incredible to see the the politicization of people in real time and yeah no i think what you said about like balancing the anger and the right rightful anger and taking action um out of that anger but then also uh, having that space to come together and
2: like that's the only way that we can survive through any of it and that's why i'm sorry to interrupt you there but that's why <laughs> art is like the main our first and our main tool you know because i mean again when i was a kid i suffered a lot i have a lot of traumas even today but why do uh, what can i do with that i can go out on the street and yell and fight and be angry of course that's a way but i can also like heal myself learning about everything that is happening i can also okay now that i know let me share my knowledge with somebody else let me make art with this I don't know, like, there's so many ways to actually be put political. And with Afrohunting, we are using the creativity tours, to, uh, tools, the art tools, like other ways that we can also be um, political, you know?
0: Oh, my God, absolutely. Yeah. I think we're almost at time, but I was wondering if you could, like, give advice to people who maybe they're somewhere and there's, you know, not... Any spaces that exist for them in their community, whether they're, you know, like a person of color or a certain religion or a certain like LGBTQ or whatever. What's your advice them to be, be able to create space for their communities that maybe doesn't exist there yet?
2: Go out, talk to people, don't be shy. And when I say go out, I'm actually, it's not that I go out to clubs all the time because... I'm not that young anymore. I mean, I am, <laughs> but oh, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, for me, I mean, also Buenos Aires is is very like night scene, like colors starts at one a.m. I it need does. to prepare, you know. I need to prepare, yeah, prepare myself for that. Oh
0: my god!
2: I mean, everything in Buenos
1: Aires starts at that hour. Like it's it's just like it's
0: oh my god, London is so lame in comparison. Could London could literally never. <laughs>
2: oh okay okay you can go to dinner at 10 p.m 11 p.m you know when uh, i mean colors like the last song is gonna be like at 6 a.m so i have to prepare myself for that you know but when i say go out it's like go out like i met people on the bus if i see you and you kind of look like black i was like hi i need to know you i need to talk to you what are you doing here you know, and that's actually how you build community. And also because, again, it was my personal project. I needed that. It was something that I didn't do it for the community. I said it because I needed that. So I'm part of the community. I'm not the founder or the CEO of the community. No, I'm just another person who needed that. So I think that the first Step that you should take is actually okay, this is what I need. Let me connect with people who needs that too. Because you gotta find people like you for sure.
0: I love it. Chat to people on the bus. That's great advice.
1: <laughs> uh and I just think that's actually such important advice. In I don't wanna sound like some like, I don't know. <laughs> old person being like technology has ruined everything but like I feel like we're just always like we'll be on the bus we'll just be on our phones we're not even looking around to be like oh who's here like who could I chat to who could I strike up conversation with that might actually transform my day just put a smile on my face maybe it doesn't even turn into anything as incredible as Afro hunting but like just to connect and actually build community in those small ways uh is so important and I feel like I felt that in Buenos Aires and I really I really do not feel that um in London or even in Coventry. So um nah that's also a reminder to me. I think I'm taking
2: that away as my action actually. Start talking to people in the bus. Anywhere, anywhere. At least I don't know. Um here in Buenos Aires, there's something I mean in Buenos Aires or in Eddie, I was in Spain last year and I felt it too. Um when you are like in a white space. When you see someone who kind of look like you, you know, there's like this eye contact, there's this nod, there is this smile, there's something It's like, okay, we're here. I see you. You know, it's like, I see you. I love that. I love that. I even got goosebumps because I met so many people that are now my friends just because of that eye contact, just because of that nod, or that smile. So sometimes it's even, it's hard for me. It's, yeah, I'm very extroverted. Extroverted, introverted, actually, but um, if you are not extroverted, maybe you can also use technology um, for that because technology, it's it's it could be terrible, but it can also be a very powerful tool because I'm in Buenos Aires, but I was in DR. And I mean, I don't live in DR, but I met so many cool people who are doing amazing and needed things because DR is also like another world related to the Afro-diasporic things. But I met so many people online who are doing that. When I, when I was there, okay, we need to see each other, we need to talk. And now I'm going to New York by the summer because I already made some links online. People who are doing the same. So maybe it can be a challenge for you to say hi or the boss or something like that. But instead of scrolling, if you see someone that you like what they're doing or if you are inspired or whatever, just talk to them. Somebody, I mean, everybody wants to. Feel like you're doing something good. I love that you reach out to me because sometimes, you know, the imposter syndrome is also there. It's like, is this okay? I'm doing enough. Who's going to care about this? You know, so, yeah, also use technology for that because actually it's social media, not your media. It's social. It's to socialize.
0: And I think it goes back to what you were saying about cool hunting at the beginning as well. Like if you like someone's fit on the bus, tell them because they'll want to know. They'll have put that fit on on purpose. So like, you know, complimenting people goes a long way.
2: And I mean, now we're living in a society when we like to gossip. Oh, oh, I don't like what she's wearing. I don't like what they're wearing. But well, you can also be good. And like, I like what you're wearing and just say that to to them. You can totally change and the mood for that person because you don't know what's going on in their mind maybe you had an amazing outfit but i don't know i don't even imagine but maybe my pet died last last day you know or maybe i just had a terrible day at work and you saying something like that is like oh i don't know i got a compliment from a random person i love that yeah i love that this has
1: been such good vibes and positivity yeah. like this is this is literally a fresh breath Breath of fresh air. I was like, what was the phrase? This is the breath of fresh air that we need. um, Just to, I feel like it's going to take me into this next week as well. Just with good vibes. Um, And chatting to people on the bus. And chatting to people online. Thank you so, so, so much for just, I don't know, just bringing who you are into this space. Because I think you just, just being you and the artist that you are and the creative that you are. The historian that you are. And like just everything that you do comes together and is just empowering for people listening because sometimes it feels like oh how can I just as one person start to build community where there isn't any but like you are proof that that is so possible Um, when
2: there isn't anything that's another like a mantra or a proverb that I live by is like every crisis it's an opportunity if you don't find that community, because it's because you need to create it. If you don't find that book, you need to create it. If you don't find that, I don't know, conversation, you need to create it because you, you want it, you need it. And I bet somebody else is gonna need it too.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. Your energy is so infectious. I'm like, yes, come on, like joy, love, let's go. Like, um, it's so nice when we get to have one of these episodes where I leave feeling like, I love the world.
2: Um. (laughs) no thank you for having me this conversation was so nice and so fluent I was a little bit okay my English how I'm gonna do this but I think I you understood what I said right I
1: hope you believe me now I don't want to have to tell you again your English is good your English is so good your English is so good
0: and we got a bit of Spanglish in there which is great because that's It's the language of the future, as you said. (laughs) Yeah, So, needed to be done. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And um, if you have any thoughts, club night recommendations, good vibes, DM them to us at shadow.mag on Instagram or give us an email at shadowlightpodcast at gmail.com. Larissa, is there anything else that we need to say before we close out?
1: I don't think so. Just muchísimas gracias por escuchar y nos vemos la próxima vez. (laughs) which is thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time
0: my Duolingo self pretending I understood I was like "Mm, yeah (laughs) thanks everyone bye